Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. My name is Mark Ellis. With me, as always, is the amazing Jacqueline Coley. Jacqueline, boy, do I have news for you. What is your news? I'm I had sorry. a screening of a movie called The Batman last night. I think we were both there. No, I was. I couldn't go. That was the uh, that was the the news is that I I wasn't able to make it because <laughs> I really want to go see it. So I have like thirty people behind the scenes kind of trying to pull strings for me because I'm such a child. And then they're like, "Hey, well, can you go tonight?" And I'm like, "Oh, damn it! I had I had sets, and so I had to go tell Yucks Aww. on stage. So I missed it. But you've seen The Batman." I have seen the Batman. Oh, man, my God. that's disappointing because, yeah, I was there last night. And, you know, Mark, you can abuse our friendship every now and again to come and kick it. I know. I, I hate asking, but uh, I'm like, I why probably... are you talking to the, your old relationship people? Me and you are still in a very <laughs> non-sexual relationship here. And I feel bad that you're backsliding with your ex. Who's my that's ex? who it was. I know it was your ex. I know which ex it was. I'm not talking about our mutual friend. I'm talking about the place you used to work that I call oh, your the ex. place I used to work. Okay. I, was, <laughs> I, I know you're going say, through your ex when you when you're trying to, to get through things. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got to see the Batman. I'm sorry I've not abused our friendship more. I will definitely do that in the future, <laughs> yeah. especially if I don't get to see this movie soon, because I'm so hyped about that movie. And before I get to see that movie, now we get to talk about the last Batman movie, at least the last sort of standalone Batman is the one and only star ish of the movie. And that would be the closing of Christopher Nolan's epic Batman trilogy that rescued us all from bat nipples and bat cheeks. The Dark Knight Rises. The movie is 87% certified fresh. Woo, that's a high score. And it's even higher than the audience score. It's 90%. And we have a fan shout out to get to uh, from across the pond. UK's own Daniel Sperling. Oh, I says, love that. Um, Can you Daniel, say it? Wait, wait, wait. No, no. Say it in an accent. Say it in an accent. <laughs> Come on. Okay. He sent us a nice little diatribe. I can't do the whole thing, but I will say from across the pond, Daniel Sperling. Spelling. That's good. I'll, I'll tell you who does a really good accent from that land is our guest that we're about to meet. Oh. Very, very good. Particularly in the world of Batman. Very, very good impressionist. Um, so Daniel says, um, is it an epic subversus and fitting finale to the beloved franchise that revolutionized the comic book movie? Or is it an overstuffed, pretentious action light mess featuring a laughable villain and the worst death scene of all time? For the record, I am in the former camp. So Daniel is a fan of the movie, but I think he understands that not everybody might feel the same way. And I would just say maybe, Daniel, just maybe both of your statements 
can be true. So with that, let's bring in our very special guest today. He is not only one of the greatest Schmodown players in any division to ever live, he's also a author. He's got a new book all about James Bond coming out soon. He is our buddy, Mike Kalinowski. Mike, you've done so much with DC Movie News over your career. I know how much you love these movies. Let's talk about The Dark Knight Rises. You're a Batman guy. You have multiple Batman costumes in your house. What do we think about the tomato meter for The Dark Knight Rises? 87% certified fresh. Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong, sir? I think they're right. 100% right. I think it caps out the trilogy uh, perfectly. And I would say, and arguably, arguably so, that it is the second best film in the trilogy. Ooh, yeah, a okay. lot of people. I have a hot take on this film, and a lot of people don't agree with me. But now, hearing your score, I think they do. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's again even higher with the audience score. So, yeah. uh, Jacqueline, wh what do you say about The Dark Knight Rises? Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong? I mean, I think Rotten Tomatoes is a little bit wrong in the sense that I do think it's overgassed. That's what I'd like to call a Nolan curve. Um, <laughs> they gave that same curve to Tenant. There's certain directors that get a curve. PTA, okay. QT, Nolan, they get a curve. And I, I'm sorry to say that I believe that to be true, but it is. Because I do think that too many critics have sat through films of theirs that they absolutely adored to really want to come for them for something. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. It's, so it doesn't it, mean that they're like yeah. saying they love something that they hate, but they're just able to squip past all the piles of crap that are in this movie. And I'm saying if you don't squip past them, it's probably in the mid 70s. Still certified fresh, I think at 85, son. Oh, this is going to be a fun conversation because uh, I don't think that Rotten Tomatoes is uh, right. I, I think that they're wrong. And I think that this is not a fresh movie. <laughs> I, I think that there is a lot of greatness in this movie. But to me, this movie plays out like the entire Rocky trilogy where it's really great for moments and then it just completely falls off a cliff with Rocky V. Um, I just, there's so much, especially in the third act, that bothers me and I cannot get over it. But really things throughout the movie I have problems with, especially because I am comparing it, unfairly so, for some, to Batman Begins, my favorite comic book movie of all time, and maybe the greatest superhero film achievement ever, The Dark Knight. So I don't think Rotten Tomatoes nailed it here. I think it's way too high, but we're going to talk about it. But first, Jacqueline, do you want to give us a brief synopsis as to exactly what Dark Knight is rising where? <laughs> the Dark Knight Rises, <laughs> which I will go ahead and say, like, uh, mm, I, I don't think that I'm going to give this the the like synopsis that anybody would hope for because I don't want to pop a blood vessel, but I'm going to give you my best adaptation possible. <laughs> Basically, this is cut forward about a few years after the events of The Dark Knight. Harvey Dent uh, is dead as district attorney and they lionized him. But there's new sort of, I would say, folks that are coming out in, from the League of Shadows. And one of them sort of sets things off and it's the character of Bane. He has one of the most epic entrances ever, doesn't talk where anyone can understand him, but he is basically trying to emerge as this new leader from the underworld. Also, Selena Kyle pops up and she's a cat burglar who's trying to steal stuff from Bruce Wayne. Essentially, uh, Commissioner Gordon, uh, is trying to track Bane. He gets him. They 
essentially let Bane escape and this, you know, Jordan, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt sh- uh, pops up and he's just so interesting. And then we also have Marianne Cotier playing a character who is presented to be one way at first, but it's eventually revealed that she is Ra's al Ghul's daughter and that the story that Batman is sort of told about this character, which he believes to be Bane, is actually her. That's sort of like the third act turn but God, I've got to like get through this where Batman breaks his back. Batman yeah. gets gets in prison, breaks his back, injury. heals it in like two seconds, <laughs> then <laughs> comes out to sort of like battle Bane in the third act. And in the third act of the film, when he's trying to battle Bane, there's this nuclear bomb that is supposed to blow up Gotham because what? this whole idea of the League of Shadows is trying to destroy Gotham as sort of revenge for Ra's al Ghul and the the dastardly things that that they've been doing, whatever. It's not really, (laughs) Talia wants revenge. I'll just put it to you that way. So, and the whole idea of who the Batman is, is also being sort of lambasted and switched a bit because it's this whole idea of like, who watches the Watchmen and not everybody is convinced that the Batman is a good thing and Bane does a very good job of saying, hey, maybe not. Uh, At the very end though, Batman does save the day and he ends up taking his Batcraft out into the ocean where it blows up. He saves the city. Batman is assumed to be dead. And Alfred, who spends most of the movie regretting the fact that he let Bruce Wayne the boy become Bruce Wayne the Batman, um, is sort of left with the shell of his remnants. And that's where he sees at a French Parisian cafe what he foretold. He sees Bruce Wayne across the way. They don't say anything. He's sitting with Selena Kyle and he lived. Ooh, man, that's a... I think that's that pretty much actually. it. That's pretty <laughs> that much was, it, right? Did I get everything? I, very much so. Okay. Yeah. Mike, I'm I literally like, like thinking back. I'm like... of the movie. Yeah, I'm like, there we go. Um, I think I got the main characters. Um, basically, anytime anyone shows up who you recognize, they're going to be doing more than what they appear. Oh, and, oh and Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt's Robin. Robin, I forgot that part. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, could be. We'll... We're, we're not really sure. We'll talk about it. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Before we get to that, now we turn it over to our expert review curation manager, Tim Ryan. That's right. He's been curating the reviews that were around at the time of the movie's release back in 2012. Tim, it's your two minutes. It's a recurring theme on this podcast when we're discussing sequels. When you've made a huge hit, what do you do for an encore? The Dark Knight from 2008 was hailed as an instant classic, so any subsequent Christopher Nolan Batman films were likely to pale in comparison. That said, critics felt The Dark Knight was a satisfying conclusion to the trilogy, one which was messy in spots but demonstrated Nolan's auteurist assurance and benefited from strong performances, particularly from Tom Hardy as Bane. The Dark Knight Rises is certified fresh at 87% on the Tomato Meter with 372 reviews, and it has a 90% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a fresh review, Jason Bailey of Flavorwire wrote, No one somehow never loses control. This is an accomplished and tremendously confident filmmaker, both in the execution of his thrilling chases and action beats, and in his manipulation of the complicated, multifaceted narrative. However, in a rotten review, Ryan Gilby of The New Statesman wrote, Nolan has become hooked on the grandiose, at times even the biblical. 
For anyone who admired the witty playfulness of his early films, it's a dark night indeed. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus reads, The Dark Knight Rises is an ambitious, thoughtful, and potent action film that concludes Christopher Nolan's franchise in spectacular fashion. So that's The Dark Knight Rises. Let's kick it back to Jacqueline and Mark. This city needs them. Back to you folks. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, look, it, it seemed like and, and I was one of those that was fresh at the time because I saw it and maybe it was roasted at glasses. But I remember having issues with the movie and being concerned about expressing my issues just because, like, I knew everybody else was going to be loving this movie. And so I kind of felt like I was out on an island. I think that it, I, I think a lot of people feel like this tomato meter is a little too high, but Mike thinks it's right on. Jacqueline thinks it's a little too high, and I think it's way too high. So this is why we have these conversations, and we'll try to keep it as civil as possible. No promises. Let's transition to movie talk. Brian, hit the music. I read a very interesting quote from none other than Christopher Nolan talking about this film where he was really, as far as the trilogy itself goes, he said that Batman Begins is very much an origin story. And Gotham is viewed in quite symbolic, romantic terms. With The Dark Knight, we switch genres. We're looking at the media, the police, the wealthy, the poor. And then in The Dark Knight Rises, we move into the more disaster movie territory, mm. is, is yeah. what Nolan said. So, Mike, you hinted at yeah. the top that this movie is number two in your sort of trilogy ranking. And like right. I said, Batman Begins is my favorite comic book movie of all time. What is your ranking for this trilogy? What's, what is number one? Uh, it definitely begins because like like you it's like it is probably my favorite comic book movie it, it fluctuates between that and batman 89 um and then i put rises is number two i think the dark knight is the weakest in the trilogy and i know i'll the the, the pitchforks are out for that one but i like some comic book in my comic book movie the dark knight is a great film there is no question about that i, I put in top 100 films of all time it's just not a great batman movie Whereas the mm -hmm. Dark Knight Rises brought the Batman, the comic book, back to his world of that Nolan was creating. Yeah, and it was sort of jarring, at least for me, Jacqueline, particularly once we get to that third act when it does feel, I mean, I, I would even compare it more to like the Adam West Batman than I would something that I saw <laughs> in like the Dark Knight with, you know, having to drive the, the, the exasperated death and flying the bat copter to drop a nuclear bomb in the ocean and all that stuff. Um, do you have like a clear cut favorite in this trilogy, Ms. Coley? Not, I mean, look, it, it's really funny. I have a, an intense relationship with this. This was the very first movie trilogy that I ever wrote about as a professional writer. And it was the first time I ever got paid. I wrote about hmm. The Dark Knight Rises and honestly, fandom and how how beloved that film gets, it's the quickest way to send somebody into their feelings if you just <laughs> criticize it. When people started, it was this whole idea of when people started associating their personality with the things that they buy instead of the things that they do, right? That's consumerism at its core. And, you know, Disney, Marvel, all these places have fed that for years. And so you now have these people that are so fused with IP, they can't separate the IP from who they are. And I... Like, so this trilogy is weird for me. Like, it always showed me, like, that was the line of demarcation when people started, like, literally losing their sense about this, the Academy snub for The Dark Knight. That was mm. way, way my world at that time was just being obsessed about the Oscars. And I was like, these people have lost their mind. So <laughs> I, I, I um, they're all about the same for me, just varying degrees. I don't like Batman Begins as much, but I do appreciate that it's better filmmaking. I think that The Dark 
Night is one of the greatest cinematic achievements ever. However, if you really examine it, it is a brilliant Joker movie, not a brilliant Batman movie. And yeah, it's it's interesting what Mike says. Like, so I don't know. It's hard. Well, I guess Dark Knight. I, mean, I guess Dark Knight. There you go. When you look at a, a, any any trilogy, it, it's very hard to ingratiate fans to it to get them to show up on mass or something like that. And then it's also hard to stick the landing with the final movie. With this one, I will. I mean, I'll forever sing Nolan's praises just for what he was able to do with Batman Begins, picking up the baton that was left from <laughs> Batman and Robin, and and really showing us all the like, hey, you can have an iconic character, and they can be in a bad movie or two bad movies, and we're just gonna wait a little bit and then we will pick up the mantle and we will take it in a bold new direction that was so exciting because batman is just too cool of a character to have gone out like that like he did in 97 and so to have him back after some time in 2005 i thought was just an epic comeback for the ages almost as epic as the comeback that bruce wayne makes in the dark knight rises healing his back so quickly the medical experts even the medical community the actual medical community is divided on whether his back could heal at all that is actually true yeah that is true which i thought was funny i still think that i think that's a nolan curve too well yeah, but I mean, I also think it's cool when because Mel it's... Gibson puts his shoulder back into place in the Lethal Weapon movies by banging it against the wall. So you I think know, it's there's... physically feasible and they want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I bet you some <laughs> doctors like some we saw a medical journal where this dude healed his back in two weeks. That That is one of the scenes, I guess you would say, that, that does turn me off from the movie, but it didn't start there. Mike, I do want to kick it off with you, though. Like, like what is the scene? From the Dark Knight Rises that you say this, this is why, like you said, I got comic book with my comic book movie. Oh, so the scene with that, like, that's a tough one because it, it was more of a feeling for the entire film for me Okay, uh, because I was just coming off of the Dark Knight. So it, it just opened up the world a little bit more with him going back with, with Ra's al Ghul and bringing the, the League of Shadows back into it. You know, so and the character of Bane was a little more comic booky in the way that they went with him. I didn't mind it as much as a lot of people did. Uh, I have no real big attachment to the character of Bane. So I wasn't like, oh, he's not portrayed the way, you know, he didn't come from, you know, a South American prison with his teddy bear and, you know, a lot of the, the comic tropes of the character. Uh, so I didn't bother me. It didn't bother me with that. But just, I mean, from the opening get go with that, that scene and everything, I want to love how practically it was done. And no one does that in all his films with the practicality of filming the stunts, but it just felt like I, and I, I know people kind of look at it as, as a, a negative with the bomb and the end, the whole third act, but that just felt comic booky to me. And, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way at all. I mean that in a, in a, in a very positive way for me. Yeah, I, I'm, you'll appreciate this, Mike, because I actually, that was right in my wheelhouse of being a big comic book honk where like I wanted to go to the comic book store every day after school was when those issues were running, when Bane broke Batman's back. Like it was dark times, kids, yeah. in the 90s for you DC superheroes. You got Superman dying and then you get Batman breaking his back and Bane being the cause of it. And so that fight sequence that takes place in the Gotham sewer between Batman, who's come back to Gotham after seven years, just being nowhere, being everybody thought he was gone for good. He's back and he's fighting Bane and Batman's a little rusty. He's a little out of shape. So that fight was something that I was just looking forward to. I mean, I was looking forward to seeing that in Batman and Robin. And I obviously that was a very different Bane that we got in that movie. And I think Jacqueline, one of the big issues for me is that I don't feel like the fight scenes 
really pay off. I don't think that they look all that great. It felt choreographed to me. It did. It felt like I was watching two stunt performers just go through the motions, and I never felt that emotional buzz that I thought I would feel watching a Batman fight scene. I thought the fight scenes in Batman Begins were done a lot better than the fight scenes in The Dark Knight Rises, and so that was a letdown for me. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What's the scene for you, Jacqueline, that sways you one way or another? Like, what's the standout moment in The Dark Knight Rises? Is it good or is it bad? It's good, but I don't know if it's necessarily greatness. One of the things that I will say about The Dark Knight Rises is The Dark Knight was a brilliant movie with an okay marketing campaign that included The Joker. The Dark Knight Rises was a brilliant marketing campaign for an okay movie. So, like... (laughs) And if you remember the trailer, there's that shot of the football player in the stadium of Gotham and he's Mm -hmm. like running and like the ground literally is like coming below him. Like it's Heinz Ward, actual Pittsburgh Steeler at the time. (laughs) He was? It was? That was Heinz Ward and Ben Roethlisberger's also on the sideline too. So they both Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, appreciate that. But it literally starts to crumble beneath him. One of the coolest shots in the world is the whole stadium sort of like collapsing around him. That level of destruction, that level of destruction, which felt warranted and not gratuitous because it was committed by a madman. Because like that was the issue with uh, Man of Steel was there was all this gratuitous world destruction and it felt unnecessary this was like oh no i'm doing this to show how much i don't care like i'm literally taking it to the heart of america football like nolan was in his feelings on that he's like bring it to the yanks on this one you know like it was it was hardcore and that moment is just absolutely credible and how it was captured in that trailer so if i had to say the scene i might just say the trailer which is an amalgamation of scenes but that scene in particular and everything that sort of like led up to that moment when when he stands there agape, so does the audience. I do think it's awesome in this movie. And I will give Mike uh, some credit here for championing The Dark Knight Rises, because I think it's awesome to kick the movie off with Bruce Wayne just being this hobbled rumor it, of nothing. I mean, the, the guy's pretty much Quasimodo at this point. If you ask the townspeople of Gotham, uh, even people that are showing up at his house. And I love the angle of the Robin-ish character played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, himself an orphan, who realizes instantly that that guy is his tortured soul. He's faking this, and that is actually Batman. I love that he was able to put that together. I think that's a really cool, uh, Mike, maybe to borrow your words, it was, that was a comic booky moment to me, is hearing how Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character could figure that out. So I love seeing those characters. But I got to be honest, the standout in this movie to me 
is Selena Kyle, played by Anne Hathaway. I think Catwoman, she's got a great, she's got the best fight scene in the movie, which may disappoint folks like me who are lining up to see Bane versus Batman. She has a fight scene early in the movie where she's doing a little bait and switch at a bar, and it's great. And she is just so watchable because you're looking at what her plot line is, trying to get this thing that completely wipes what your identity is. And she wants to start over. You see some real humanity there. She's a villain, but she does some good things. So is she an anti-hero or an anti-villain? Like, that's the character for me that is the standout in the movie. Mike, you can say Batman. You can say Bane. Who is the standout of this movie to you? That's so, okay, you got me on the spot again. Like, because there's so many, like, and, and what I of this film and why it hits me so well is because when you think about these films as a whole, they never was meant to be a trilogy. Every film nowadays, like we're making a trilogy, even the <laughs> Batman that's coming out, they're like, yeah, we were planning a trilogy. Like Nolan didn't do that. Even with the Batman begins, it was one off. They said, all right, we'll do the Joker at the end. We don't know if we're going to get there. It's just a little nod to the fans. And then after uh, the dark Knight, they were like, well, he's gone and we don't want to go back to this world, you know, but then they said, all right, we, we, we have a story. So the fact that they were able to bring it full circle like that, for me, I mean, I want to say Alfred is my favorite character in this film. Yeah, mm, that's, uh, that's fair. Because yeah. there was a lot of stuff with Bruce that I didn't care for in this film. But I have to look at this as a Batman fan with this film. And maybe that's why a lot of people don't care for it as much. To them, we all have our version of Batman, who our version is. That's why a lot of people didn't like Ben Affleck, because to them, Batman doesn't kill. Mm. Well, your Batman doesn't kill. You know, a lot of people said, but Bruce Wayne retired. He wouldn't retire. Why? He would never give up. He would never, he's not going to stop being Batman. He's going to die being Batman. It's like, that's your Batman. Nolan's Batman retired and, and was given a happy ending. And to see Alfred be with this man his whole life. And he, he has that, you know, speech early on about, uh, Mark, I won't bore you with the impression yet again. I know you're, you're probably it's ad so nauseum full of it. Well, I haven't been there. Okay, well, <laughs> then, then <clears throat> excuse me here. I'll have this dream. I go to Florence and there's a little cafe in the bank of the Arno and I sit down and I order myself a Fernie Banker and I see you and you see me and we don't say anything, but I'd known that you'd made it. I knew that you were happy. I didn't want this life for you. I didn't want you to come back to Gotham after seven years. I wanted something better for you because I've loved you since I first heard his tears echo through this house. So, good uh, lord, y'all! And the Oscar goes to legit. So, oh, that's so good. I, that, that was the so movie good. mark where the impression started, I think, because he's got that scene. He just he eats every single word that he says, and it's so damn great watching him. Oh, he it's eats so and juicy. he chokes on it. Oh yeah. man! Uh, so, I just, yeah, Alfred's the hero for me for that film. Alfred might be my favorite character in The Dark Knight. Because Alfred is just telling the story, it, that, that famous scene where he's talking about the Joker and describing the mentality of the Joker to yeah. Bruce. And he's like, some men just want to watch the world burn. And then hearing the backstory of Alfred, who was apparently Rambo when he was younger, <laughs> is awesome. Yeah. No, I it was is. in Burma once, and I'm like, oh, what the hell were you doing in Burma? Give us what that movie. Burma? So, yeah, I yes. I love, love, love Alfred. I mean, Michael Caine's great, but also just how the character of Alfred has evolved because Michael Guff was great as as the advice-giving butler, but this Alfred just feels like there's a little more to him than meets the eye. And so I'll give you that. This is If you look at this as Alfred's movie, Jacqueline, maybe I can get it to fresh. <laughs> 
It is. I mean, Alfred and Bane. I mean, look, I know people are going to give me crap for it, but I lived for Bane and all yeah. of his stupidity of the voice and the stuff. <laughs> like, I just felt like Tom Hardy was just having a blast. Tom Hardy has a blast on Christopher Nolan sets. I really do. I think he's like a London lad and they need that like London lad pairing. That's one of the reasons why he could convince him basically to sit in a prop plane for three months to do Dunkirk for him. Like Tom Hardy, the movie star, <laughs> ain't doing that for many other people. Like, you know what I'm saying? I just wanted to add Hathaway and Bale had great chemistry. Mm-hmm. I always yeah. said it paled in Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Keaton. Like when you watch Catwoman and Batman in the Burton, like you were like, bend her over it. Like you were just like, go, go, get it on. Like you were so ready for them to bang. You know what I mean? Like. Pull his hair back with the nails, girl. I will tell you this. It's not a review. I will just say this. And this Mm. has been said in the press and I will echo it. I read recently that Zoe Kravitz said that the chemistry between her and Robert Pattinson on set was intense. She needs a better adjective. It was electric. It was palpitationally hot. It literally sent waves of sexuality through my being. I've never in my life wanted to stand up in a theater and shove two actors together more. It was wow. so good. It, All right. like, I legitimately was um, almost taken aback by how much I wanted to watch those two get it on. <laughs> Man, really missed an opportunity to shove popcorn on my face and watch that last night, but it will oh, happen sorry. soon. I just um, wanted to add that on the on the on the Zoe front because I yeah I was um I literally gasped by it last night it was so good. Well, w- w- with this one, it really is the moments when Batman is away, far far away from Gotham and Selena Kyle that I think draws the ire of a lot of people like me. So, Mike, I do want to give you the floor here when we talk about that third act when 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 Bruce Wayne goes to prison because he bane knocks him out and they basically are going to drop him in the pit where bane allegedly crawled out from we realize that maybe it wasn't bane doing the crawling after the end of the movie but they drop batman in this legendary pit that is full of the world's worst criminals that is thousands of miles away from gotham that is all awesome and i also love the reasoning that bane tells bruce he's like hey I'm not going to kill you yet because I want you to watch. I'm going to put a TV on the other side of the bars so you have to watch the new. Can you imagine? Everybody listening out there, Bane is another level of psychopath. He makes you watch the news 24-7. Can you imagine the last two years if you had to watch the news every waking second? It would be awful. Plus, you're in prison. And then that's how Batman... His back heals very magically. He makes the jump after a while to get out of the pit, and then he comes back to save Gotham. Mike, the third act for you, particularly those prison scenes where Bruce is rebuilding his body with some help from some uh, very nice suspension ropes, what is your take on all of Act 3? Does it still work for you? Uh, Absolutely, and I I know a lot of people do come at me because I, I do like that. And I think the problem is, and I've learned in all kind of comic book movies with myself, is a lot of people, and myself included, take what we know of the character and infer it into the material that we're being given and watched. To me, the the scene with Bruce getting his back healed, like he's he's you know an incredible athlete, an incredible physical specimen. Yeah, he hasn't been Batman for eight years, but he is not a normal man. So he would heal faster than a normal man. He knows, you know, and they don't show that this is just stuff that I've inferred from knowing who Batman is. And it's the same when a lot of people had a problem. It's like, how did he get back to Gotham? He was in this hole on the other side of the world. How did he get back question. there? And to me, it's like, well, look at Batman Begins. He traveled all over the world with nothing but a, the clothes on his back. How did he do that? 
he just it's Batman. We don't I don't need my friends. I go, what did you need? You know, five more minutes in a three hour movie of him, you know, (laughs) jumping on a steam freighter and hiding out in crates of a crate and traveling across the Atlantic Ocean. Did you need that in a three hour movie? No, you just kind of infer it and you go along for the ride. Yeah, for and then me, they're like, Jack well, went, how did he it, get back into Gotham? The bridges were blown up. I'm like, he's right. Batman. You don't think he's mapped the subways? He knows where well, he's going. He knows his city. He's mapped the subway and all that yeah. stuff. I, I guess my big question is the timing, because either his back healed in three days. I think according to the actual lore, it was like 80 days or something like that. But it just feels like in that time that we already would have had the, the whatever the conclusion of Bane and taking right. over Gotham well, adds up. The only thing I can go off is because they didn't do any kind of timestamp is the bomb goes off in 23 days. That was the big thing. Like, regardless, they, they, you know, you've got to put the core back in it. But, you know, Bane's whole plan of like, you know, someone's got a trigger and they're going to blow it. But it would have gone up in 23 days. So you've got to fit in in that time frame, which is, you know, physically, I would think impossible. I think like what Jacqueline squeeze. said, someone probably read an article somewhere was like, well, these scientists say that uh, these doctors, they can heal it back in two weeks. So we're going to go off of that one piece of uh, medical uh, jargon. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't need the medical experts to weigh in on movie. Lord right. knows, I don't think that they would really be kind to one of my favorite Van Damme movies, Hard Target. I don't know that you can just, you know, punch a snake to sleep and then bite its rattle off. Then it'll sleep pleasantly before waking up just in the, in the nick of time. Jacqueline. <laughs> There, there was a doctor that that, uh, that Vulture interviewed for <laughs> talking about this movie, and they said that okay, look, first of all, don't try any of this at home because Batman's got like part of his spine is like sticking out, and so his cellmate just punches it back into place, and it's like okay, fine. And then they suspend him from a rope. Now, some back experts actually will would encourage you to do one of those like hang suspension things to help stretch your back, um, but. It, you should probably be a lot more careful with it than just hanging from upside down from like some sort of suspension that you made in prison. Um, does the third act muddle the proceedings for you or are you just because there's a lot of storylines, there's a lot of stuff going on at all times. It's just it, it goes at a breakneck pace. Is that cool with you? No, but not for the reason you would think. <laughs> it's not cool with me, not because I cannot suspend the disbelief that Mike says. I am not okay with it because you cannot do that with Christopher Nolan because this was the beginning of him deciding he did not care about his audiences. And it is a firm belief of mine. I don't know the man personally, but I would just tell you as his movies progress, he is less interested in bringing the audience along and more interested in what he wants. And I do think there's a part of him that's like, if you're too stupid to understand this movie as I wanted it crafted, then you don't need to be here. If you don't want to see the movie on the biggest screen possible, you're not going to see my movie. If you're not going to see it in the theater, I don't care. You are not a viewer to me. He has said this publicly. He does not believe people that see movies at home on, you know, God forbid, on your phone or wherever else. He believes that they are not watching the movie. It's like the reps don't count. That's the reason why he makes it the longest possible push before he allows people to see it in that format. So I would just say by giving him a pass on the third act of The Dark Knight Rises, I am co-signing that behavior and I refuse (laughs) to do it. So I can't because that's what got him gassed up enough to make Tenet. And I still to this day, I'm like, I don't care that it's brilliant filmmaking. I don't care that it's cinematically epic. Bring people along. I'm a fairly intelligent girl. And if it takes me three explainer videos and like, a whole Wikipedia dump dive to understand what you're doing. Your movie's too complicated. 
Yeah, look, I mean, uh, uh, Mike and I, we both have uh, ACC, reputable university degrees on our wall. <laughs> and uh, it, it's a very hard thing to follow. I'll give you that. If, if, if we look at the Dark Knight Rises, it's, it's tough to talk about, but it is something I wanted to bring up with coming off of the Dark Knight and the unfortunate passing of, of Heath Ledger. Mike, how different of a movie is the Dark Knight Rises if Heath Ledger doesn't die? Do we get a very different ending to the Dark Knight? Do we get a Joker version in this? I mean, we had a nice little Scarecrow cameo at the end of the Dark Knight Rises, which I did think was funny. But d does that fundamentally change where we go with this third movie or do you think that it played out as it would have regardless you know that's a great question i don't even know if we would have gotten another film because where it does end it ends pretty perfectly it's like you and i are destined to do this dance forever you know we're we're, we're the, the you know two sides of the same coin here so they kind of let that go and he's and we leave bruce wayne as the villain you know riding off he's the dark knight i i mean think it was such a perfect ending to that film that I don't like, what do you, how do you, you don't top that film by bringing the Joker back with Batman. Then you've just got round two of them, you know, because the film is phenomenal. It's like, like Jacqueline said, it, it is one, it, it, that is a masterpiece film, you know, whether I, I agree that Batman's not in it or whatever, as a film, you, you're just engrossed in it. And so do you come back? Like, and he's a filmmaker, you, you, we talk about Nolan. I don't think he would, he's like, we can't top what we just did. Like, right. what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Some, another Joker scheme? You know, and Batman's got to stop? We, I think the circumstances of his passing are why we got the Dark Knight Rises and what we got out of it. So I don't think he continues. I think he's done. Because, like, again, he didn't plan a trilogy. There was no, like, all right, we're going to have the Joker come back for the third one. Oh, Heath passed. Now we can't. And we got to switch this up. So... I think there was an intention beyond Nolan to do stuff maybe. Right. Maybe. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Do, Absolutely. Do he, right. Because I do think that their idea would be like, oh, let's. I'm trying to think. Yeah, because at the time off. Man of Steel was 2013 and they had done the hint of the Wayne Enterprises um, satellite and that. So there was that was when they were starting to get their feet like and they had talked to Nolan like, hey, what he was. Nolan was involved with the Man of Steel stuff. Like, you know, mm -hmm. what are you doing? And Snyder was on the set of that a lot. Of the Dark Knight Rises, how, I believe. So, how much would have been different if Warner Brothers didn't get so fooled by three hundred as to putting somebody else <laughs> on Man of Steel? Y'all can come for me if you want, but the history of our world and the DCEU was paved by Zack Snyder, for good mm -hmm. or worse, and Jeff Johns, and neither one of those would have happened without Man of Steel, right? Because yeah, they did the no one way. with 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 Singer, right? With Brandon Routh, was yeah. that the Singer version? And they were like, yeah. we're done with you, kid. <laughs> Seriously. No, they I were know. like, they we're were... done with you. Never yeah. again. Um, plus, the movie was a failure, but also he was Brian Singer. So he like quit halfway through the movie, as he always does. By the way, like, that's the also funny thing. Like He has done that multiple times. Think about what the DCEU could be if Man of Steel forward was directed by somebody else. They still happen, but just directed by somebody right. else at each one. Like, and really sort of like allowed yeah. the franchise to grow up the way Marvel did. Marvel did not have the same director just keep directing things. Right. Like he did do with Josh on the Avengers, but all the other side movies were other directors. Yeah. Yeah. If you go by the butterfly effect, then, you know, we, we still get, uh, I, I don't know if we end up getting the Suicide Squad with James Gunn and then Peacemaker and this and the spinoff show. So I, I think the and, and some members of Justice League that may yeah. or may not show up in that. It's it really is um, an interesting thought experiment to go back and 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 if we look at it just in terms of Batman and in terms of this trilogy, 
one of the reasons why this movie so doesn't work for me throughout is not because of Batman. It's not because of it's not because of Bane. I think Bane's a great villain. But the thing that bothers me the most in this movie is the performance of somebody who I like, who I really I think I like this. I want to like this person, Matthew Modine. Great Envision Quest. <laughs> I, I think this performance is atrocious. I, and I, there's no other way to wow. say it. He's in a different movie. He is so overacting. Matthew Modine is in a 1966 Batman TV show episode. <laughs> it's just, it's so over the top. And, so, and he's playing against Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Gary Oldman, who are just like these grounded characters. And then he's just like, literally, things, it looks like he belongs with Frank Gorshin and Cesar Romero. Do you think he was trying to push... To get himself a, a Heath Ledger style moment. I do not know what he was thinking, what he was directed to think, but it just it doesn't fit in the rest of the movie at all for me, Mike. So you mean you didn't like when, you know, Joseph Gordon Levin just comes up with a symbol as like, hey, he went down in the sewers. Can someone get this hothead out of here? It's he's oh, calling him a hothead every scene. Can, can we get this hothead out of here? Uh, it's, George it, it's Gordon like, Levin's like, I just was it was a question. I just yeah, had a question about everyone the sewers else and had, Gordon. Had lines. And then Matthew Modine was just like, hey, just improv everything. And it just Aww. it just feels like I, it's a totally different movie. I will He's so say, good in like Stranger Things. He can act. I just wonder if that I was didn't maybe say a couldn't. note. I said, I said I really like him. He's great in Memphis Belle. <laughs> I didn't like his death. That was weird. None Matthew of the Modine's in this death? Really yeah, he, he comes up. He's got the gun. He starts firing on the building as, as Talia is leaving. And then she says, I, I, she says, run him down or shoot him or shoot him all. And then the the tumbler just passes him and he's dead on the ground. And there was some set video and some set pictures of him or a stuntman being hit by the cars that drove away and him flying in the air. So I don't know if they didn't like maybe the way his death get, looked. Maybe they didn't get the shot. Yeah. So he, he, they just passed by him and he's dead on the ground. I was like, ah, that was kind of weak. His well, then uh, then Marion Cotillard, uh, oh. Ra's al Ghul's daughter herself, has a uh, has a memorable death. That really likes. I, I mean, it's. It, that was. Just, I'm gonna let that one pass as like a Shakespearean nod, just to the the over. Her death scene is Matthew Modine's entire performance in this movie. <laughs> I wonder if she's like watched it. And she's like, really, Chris? That's the take you used. That was the one that you used. Like she probably made you know five six takes of that, and that was the one they went with. She's an Oscar winner, y'all. I know, like yeah, legitimately I know. an Oscar winner of a kind of a mediocre movie, but she's incredible in it. Uh, uh, Mavion Rose. Not mediocre, not great. It's not as good as it. It's like Judy. It's like it's an okay biopic. <laughs> she can act. We saw Inception. She can act. Yeah. She's great. She's great. And it was just a, maybe a bad moment for her. Um, I think Matthew Modine was just having an off two months. <laughs> so the dark, I, but I do want to leave us with some positivity about this movie. So Mike, yes. I'm going to ask you just point blank. What is your favorite scene from this movie and why? The, it's the montage at the end. It's the final two minutes of the film because Nolan gave Batman a happy, like he, he let him be happy and we were left and he didn't leave Gotham alone because it ties it back to Batman Begins. It's all about bat, um, a man can be destroyed, he be, can be corrupted, but a symbol is everlasting. And they gave that symbol. There, was, there would have been a Batman to continue on. He wasn't leaving Gotham alone. So I think the idea of Nolan's trilogy of the, the bat and the symbol and what it inspires people and that entire ending with Batman, Alfred being happy, Gotham not being alone, Gordon being kind of reassured that they made the right choices. And Gordon is a Gordon is under under uh, 
undervalued in this film and, yes. and uh, Gary Oldman. He really had some great stuff where he talks about like the shackles of, you know, and I had a friend that helped me in, with my hands in the filth. Like he had some great stuff. So see, see everyone, what they and all went through over going three through movies. Too. What's up? You know, his character's going through it too. I mean, yeah. the wife took the kid and just took off. Yeah, That's left rough, him. man. And they all did that because he supported the Batman and, and the lies he lived with for eight years of, of what they did to get the criminals in, in jail. So, but to see that all wrap up, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's like the Lord of the Rings. There was 15 minutes of endings at the end there. I don't, I think it was handled really well. And so that final two, three minutes with the score kind of rising. And then, you know, they said the Dark Knight Rises with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, and everyone wanted Robin. And that was Nolan's little clever nod to Robin. I thought it was like, oh, okay, of course he's Robin with the name. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Did, did that leave you a little cold as as a huge comic book fan that and, and a fan of this particular franchise? Did you want to see like a more clear cut successor plan or were you happy with how open-ended it was? Oh, uh, no, I was very happy with the way that ended. Like, yeah, the way they did Robin, you couldn't have done the Robin in the comics the way it is in Nolan's films. I don't think it would have worked. So to see what it did, I was very happy. And again, I didn't need to see Joseph Gordon-Levitt in The Dark Knight Rises Part 2. The trilogy yeah. was done. I don't need to see any more from it. Yeah, Jacqueline, did that, it, it, were you cool with that, with, with the way that they hinted at the Robin character, then they're like, okay, well, we're not going to touch this or re- ever really acknowledge it? No, it's stupid. That one is stupid. <laughs> like, that is absolutely stupid. It, it's Look, I get it. You want Joseph Gordon-Levitt in your movie to play Robin. I get that. But give the man something to do. The movie, the movie felt like too many ideas and not enough follow through it's really interesting i do feel like the dark knight Rises is, is like the hateful age for quentin i do think tom I, I do think nolan when he went to warner brothers he gave them a trilogy he specifically said it was a trilogy he specifically lined out what he was going to do and from what i understand with the way that his deal was set up with them they were like we're producing these three no matter what we'll give you your three batman movies because they had given him a sort of fleshed out idea of what he wanted to do in each chapter the characters, at least the villains, you know, the idea of who he wanted to touch to. So I do think he had to make some adjustments after the Joker died, after he died. I don't think the Joker would have played a big role in The Dark Knight Rises, but he might have played a vinegar mole with the connective tissue to make sense of why we should care about this whole new set of villains. Like maybe there was something to push the two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and so, you know, we will never get the clear answer to that. But I do think that at least for somebody, me and anyone around my age who grew up knowing that that Bane breaking Batman's back was such a huge storyline in the comics. We wanted to see Bane and we wanted to see Bane, that character, get justice for how menacing and intimidating he is, not whatever the the Bane, angry Bane from Batman and Robin <laughs> ended up being. I wanted this version of Bane. Maybe not this exact version of Bane. It would have been nice to understand a little bit more, but I understand why you do it. I totally get the sound mix. I, I know where no one's coming from. And so I was happy with this Bane. It's just the the fight sequences between him and Batman just didn't pass the mustard for me. As somebody who's seen a lot of action movies, I just didn't think that they were worth much at all. You can't talk about a Batman movie without talking about the future of Batman. So I don't know if if, if we, we mute Jacqueline's microphone for this. I am I do not want to hear anything about the movie other than anticipation going into it. Mike, have you seen the Batman yet? I've not. Okay. No, sir. Can, just tell me, like, you can give me a scale. You can tell me why you're so hyped for it. How excited is Mike Kownowski for the Batman? Anyone that knows me knows what the Batman character like means to me and everything. So I'm already at work on a bat suit. I've got that going. Uh, 
I've had a couple people reach out to me and offer me a, a, a ticket to go see it early, and I've turned it down. Um, I want to see it with my group of friends opening night. There's nothing better than an audience of fans that just go in that aren't sitting there going, okay, sitting back, like either they have to review it or, you know, they're more, you know, or they don't know it. Like I love going, I go usually go with a group of like 10 to 15 people. You roll uh, big. I, yeah. you, you've, and with our friend of the show, John Roca, I've yes. seen y'all at screenings with like a hundred of your closest friends. Going. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to see these movies that, you know, and, and I just love the environment. I love the excitement of the electricity. Like everything about this film has been like, I don't know. I don't know if you guys noticed, like there've been so many interviews with this cast, like talking deep about the film, like that. I don't know if I haven't paid attention in the past three, four years with films or if they just weren't doing it as much, but it seems like everything they say about this film is just nailing it on the head. Like I remember Reeves was saying it was one of the fandoms. He was like, Gotham needs to be a character. It's as big a character as Batman. And like, that's why the Nolan, especially Dark Knight, doesn't work for me because it's just Chicago. Like that city looks like we could live in it and be fine. Like Gotham needs to be terrible. There needs to have a Batman. There needs to be a reason for Batman. And your city needs to look and just everything they say. And like Jacqueline said it, the chemistry between these two, there was like an Entertainment Weekly cover of the two of them. Mm. And I was like, Jesus, they just need to bang and get over with it. Come on now. (laughs) I'm getting yeah. the vapor. I'm getting the vapors watching these two. Seriously, I'm Man. sorry. Like, uh, okay, yeah. y'all are gonna have to do this. I will not spoil anything, but I do want to say these little things. One, go over to RottenTomatoes.com. We have an everything you need to know about the Batman article, which is dope. Erica Maya made it, and it basically gives you everything that we can glean from interviews, um, press hits, mm. and first look photos. So if you just want to get deed up on what this is, go there. Then go check out the video that I did on Rotten Tomatoes about how Robert Pattinson went from vampire to the Dark Knight. Dope. I am in, baby. I am in. Um, th- huge thanks to the uh, to the crowds at the Comedy Store last night for um, being being worth missing a screening of the Batman for. Y'all were very nice people, and uh, if it wasn't a good crowd, I would have been very. I got to meet D. Snyder from Twisted Sister after the show. He was there. So wow, you know, that's, a, that's so, a plus then. That yeah, is a very so, big plus. You know, we all had a we all had a good night, but I will be there opening night. Uh, maybe maybe I get in on Mike's uh, friends list, but I'm a big bucket of popcorn for me. This is one of my most anticipated, not just of the year, but I think if you go back to like the beginning of the pandemic, knowing that oh, some movies may get pushed back, we, yeah. we, I would say that when we come out of this, this would be the first movie I want to see is the Batman. I am so excited to check this movie out, and I know all of y'all are ready to do the same. So. In the meantime, we just uh, are killing time until we all get to see the movie. So let's go over to Mailbag. <laughs> I can just talk about Batman movies all day. Remember the summer of 89? My oh God. Oh, my gosh. What a summer. It was everywhere. Prince was on the radio. Everybody was rocking the Batman Converse. This is true. They sold out of black t-shirts. Like, like there, was a, there was a run on black t-shirts because so many people were buying them and then making like mock you know, Batman logo shirts and selling them. So it was just, you couldn't escape it in the summer of 89. What a summer it was. All right. Our Ketchup Crew member today who writes us, um, which y'all can email us anytime, rtiswrong at rottentomatoes.com and send those hook Right. It, whatever your hook take is, we want it. Steven Spielberg's hook, audio, video, send us in. Maybe it'll get played in an upcoming episode. So this is from Ketchup Crew member Sam Damianova. And he says, hi, RT. I would really like to hear a podcast episode of RT is Wrong 
about the Lion King remake. Huh. Mm. The Lion King remake from 2019. Mainly because there is a huge difference between the audience score and the tomato meter. So the tomato meter for the Lion King, super fresh, 88%. The audience score, 52%. I guess they didn't like the fact that included in the circle of life is a giraffe turd. Did y'all see the movie? I did. I did. I I love it a lot. I know people hate the that. The turn in the wind that. was funny, but Mike, your takes on The Lion King. Uh, I had never seen The Lion King before. Never didn't see the animated film. Wow. So my girlfriend is, that is Lion King is her Disney film. And we went to see this and she, we, I bought her tickets for, what is the, the El Cap right here in LA? The yeah. big, yeah. They, the big, all the sets and all that stuff there. And it was done. And I said, huh, I don't get what everyone loves about this film. <laughs> This was, and that was shot for shot for the animated film. So I don't need to see the animated one again. I was like, huh, I don't get it. It's different. <laughs> did, you tell, animation. did you tell your girlfriend? Did you tell the queen that or did you like sugarcoat it? No, I, I didn't sugarcoat it at all. I, I looked over at her and I was just like, I think I did this. Huh? That's it? Not for me. Not for me, Mark. Uh, all right. So I, I, I stick I with do. That, that audience score. Yeah, I was down there with it. I'd encourage you to uh, to watch the original because it is. But it's the same thing. Wasn't this thing shot for shot the same thing? It Mm. is the same thing. Look, you see it. The new one has Beyonce and Childish Gambino. Okay, we win. Okay, okay. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't. Everybody was upset that this. Well, the song is called "Can You Feel the Love Tonight," but they're making love in the afternoon. It's like just they're lions. (laughs) They're gonna be having sex all day. Okay, let them do it. You ever see National Geographic? It's it's just everywhere. All right. Let lions be lions. My God. All right. Uh, Thank you for that, Sam. We will uh, maybe take you up on that later on this year. In the meantime, Mike Kalinowski, it is always just a treasure trove of information and enlightenment, particularly when it comes to the world of D.C., but not limited to that. And so thank you for once again gracing us with your presence to talk about a Batman movie. Who's your favorite Batman? Actor? Yeah. Oh, my God. I got to go Keaton. Just because, like you said, that's summer 89. And I know, I know he's 5'9", and I know he's about 170 pounds. I get it. I do. But there's just something, that movie just hit me at the right age, the right, it was just awesome. That whole summer of Batman. And I'll stump for Robert Wool too. Great, great comic relief. Um, what are you working on now? I know you got a book coming out. Um, you have a lot of exciting stuff going on. So have at it. Tell the kids yeah, where I, they can I find more stuff I believe by the time this episode drops, the book will be out there. It's Bond, James Bond, exploring the... Shaken and stirred history of Agent 007. Uh, I just talking to my the publisher. I think we just hit number one on the new release list on Amazon. Nice. So, yeah, it was so so. Thank you to everyone that did, it's been the outpouring of support for this has been incredible. I didn't know it started at the beginning of the pandemic when I was when we pitched the book and I hadn't been able to talk about it on the show with you guys. I hadn't been able to talk about it, uh, but it's out there for everyone to see. Uh, bookstores, Amazon. So yeah, that's and now it's just kind of going into the, the, the tour of getting the book out there. Oh, congratulations. Anyone taken Bond in a fight over Batman or do we all have Batman? I think I have oh, you're gonna put Batman. Me it, it's depending on how many toys they get. I do think yeah. that Bond's toys will get him out of most jams. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Bond has a lot of nice toys that Q hooks him up with. Uh, I mean, Batman's got the utility belt. And I just think Batman, I feel like Batman has been in more brawls. I, I know James Bond and especially George Lazenby can can actually like fight. Like, like on Her Majesty's Secret Service, there's some pretty good fight scenes there. But oh, yeah. uh, I still got to take, I mean, Batman is, they both fight psychopaths, but I think Bond just, I think Bond's fighting tomato cans when Batman is fighting like the world's greatest super criminals from Arkham Asylum. So I think I'm taking Batman. Someone posted on like my Twitter, it was a, it was a comic book cover of 
of Batman and Bond together. And like it, it, and I was like, wait, how do I not know this? There's a, and it's like, no, no, I think it's fan art. It was so well done, got my hopes so high. And then I was like, ah, oh, man. But it was the coolest thing. It was like Bond and Batman and the Joker. And I think Blofeld were on it together. And I was like, why has no one done a Bond and Batman team up in comics? That is why not? awesome. Yeah. Bruce Wayne and fan, James Bond together? Are you kidding me? That's fan gold. art has mm-hmm. just like gone over the pale where now when we see fan art, we're disappointed that it doesn't actually exist. There is Batman versus Predator. That was a cool run from right? Dark Horse. Yeah, that was nice. So. All right, well, we got to get out of here because I got to go wait in the line and hope that Mike has a plus one when he goes to see the Batman because Jacqueline did not take me. I didn't ask. That's That that, that one's on me. Thank you so much, Mike, once again, for joining us. Make My sure you all check guys, out uh, not just this James Bond book. That is, it's really, a, it's a great history um, injected with a lot of uh, love and heart and some humor about James Bond. And so it's uh, it's an achievement and it's, it's crushing on Amazon. So be like everybody else and go pick it up wherever you enjoy your books. Um, we are at RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com is the email address. You can subscribe, rate, review, do all that good stuff. Next week, big, big episode, Jacqueline, because we're talking about a movie. You want sweeping epics? You want sand? We got all of it. Anakin Skywalker would hate this movie. What are we talking about? Uh, next week, we're talking about my Dune. My, what does he call it? My my, my Arcanist. Yes, my Arc. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, my Dune. Both so of yeah, them. both of them. We, With yeah. Alex Papadimus, who is the biggest Dune head I've ever met. And it was really <laughs> great to talk sand with him. He really had an, in, an inventive approach to it. Sand and spice and everything nice. So for Mike Kalinowski, our special guest here today, Tim Ryan, our review curation manager, Brian Perez, our lovely engineer, producing Lucy, crushing it behind the scenes, my amazing co-host who's seen the Batman, Jacqueline Coley, Molly the Wonder Dog snoring in the corner. I am merely Mark Ellis. Thanks for tuning in to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, and we'll talk to you next time. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.